0: Good morning. My name is Steve Welsh. I'm one of the elders serving here at Redeemer. And I have the privilege of reading the Word of God that uh, Chris Cooper is going to preach on this morning. And I think uh, you'll uh, enjoy it. I'm excited uh, about what he has to say, uh, as uh, I'm sure you guys are, too. Uh, We're going to be reading this morning from Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19, And as is our tradition, uh, whether you're here in the sanctuary or online, please stand for the reading of uh, the Word of God, found in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Thus be the reading of God's word. You may be seated.
1: Hold on, I'm going to take my mask off so y'all can see my smiling face. Um, There we go. There we go. Grateful, grateful to be here uh, this morning. I'm truly blessed. I want to start before I pray by saying this. Um, I was telling your your shepherd here, Dan, that last night was a rough night for me. Um, I was watching Grey's Anatomy. Uh, can you imagine me watching Grace? <laughs> uh, my wife got me on it right now for Netflix, and uh, watching seasons. And it it was a part that came up where uh, O'Malley, who's this, this doctor, he loses his dad, um, and in that moment I, I lost. You know, I lost my mom in late October, November, and uh, man, I just lost it. I just started crying right. Um, but imagine this, you know, I, I got up my routine in the morning before I preach is I usually iron my clothes and, you know, and everything like that. It just gets me in the mood with my music. Um, so I decided to iron my clothes, uh, probably at like 1130 at night. Um, and I went in the room and this is to y'all redeemer because I'm a humble guy and I like to give flowers while people are alive. Um, and as I was just crying and just Praising God, Um, one of the things that Deuteronomy tells us is don't forget the works that God has done for you already. And um, I'm grateful for Redeemer. It's it's no place I would rather be in that moment of feeling down um, than right here uh, with your pastor Dan and his wife and amongst this congregation to come up here and preach because you guys have adopted me in a way that not many churches have. And I'm grateful for that. So I just want to let you know that you have been a blessing to me and my family, and I'm grateful to bring you the word. So let us get past this sad moment and let us get into the word of God. Um, Let's pray first for the scripture was given, but I just want to start out in prayer and then I'll dive right in. Okay, Um, Father God, man, just just grateful to be in the land of the living. Grateful today that we can come and fellowship With you, Father God, that that we can sing songs. Oh, how you've been a good father, Father God. And we can also just say, hey, man, I love you. And I'm so grateful to see your smiling face. Holy Spirit, do the work you are designed to do. Lead us and guide us into all truth when, when we're walking off the beaten path. Be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway, Father God. Because the world can be so dark and so scary, Father God. We just need a light to guide us. Soften the hearts of men. Father God, so that the word given to us may be firmly rooted in our hearts so that we may be a tree bearing fruit, not for our glory, Father, but for your glory alone. We love you. Put Chris Cooper behind the cross and let your glory shine forth. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen. As we dig into the scripture, we we are in Acts 9. Now, Acts 9 is known for the conversion of Saul. Also known as Paul. Right. So his name was Saul before he became Paul. And as we get into this moment in the 10th chapter, I just want to give you a little background. Saul is going around Jerusalem. He's heading to Damascus. He's heading to different places and, and he is actually persecuting Christians, people like you and me, he he has been given an assignment to go out and persecute individuals who proclaim Jesus as the risen Savior. Now, could you imagine a guy like Saul in today's world right after Easter? After we done had this big celebration about how Jesus is risen and, and we all came together and, and we smiled, we, we probably had dinner and, and we enjoy family time. And that probably would have been the right time for Saul to go out and say, you know what? I see him. Let me go get him. Let me go persecute him and make sure they understand this suffering that I'm about to bring down on them. But during this time, as he goes down Damascus Road, he, 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 he sees Jesus. Jesus comes to him and he says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? So now Saul has scales on his eyes and, and his soldiers brought him to Damascus. And we get to this point right here. We get to an individual named Ananias. And Ananias represents many of us. He represents us because at this very moment, all we know that he is a disciple of God. He's a follower of the gospel. He knows who Jesus is. He knows that he is risen and he knows, man, if it wasn't for him, he wouldn't have salvation. And I believe that when he was given to the assignment of Saul that he probably felt real uncomfortable. How does this represent us in the real world? Today in the world, it is very uncomfortable. People don't know what to say to each other. People don't know how to open up opinions to different individuals without offending them. Individuals are struggling with their jobs. They're hurting. They're dealing with all types of emotions, which makes it so uneasy to build relationships with each other. And somewhere on the line, society has become so divided. It has, it has become so offended that we can't even say, hey, you look nice today without feeling like, did I say the right words? Did, did, I, did I say it correctly? Because I don't want to get in trouble. Right? But think about Ananias, man. Think about the uncomfortability of going to a man named Saul who he has heard persecuted Christians caused suffering. were are looking and seeking out individuals who love Christ. And God saying, you have to go see him. That, that you have to go see him. See, the question is, are you willing to be obedient in witnessing the gospel when it seems uncomfortable? When, when, when the world is is out of sorts, when when it it can't relate to you, when, when you're in a place or an environment that, that doesn't seem like you fit in, are you willing to be a witness of the gospel? As we look at this scripture, right, the first thing we need to realize is God is not into your preferences. He's not into your preferences. Right. We live in society, man. We want our house to look a certain HGTV gives me the ability to make sure my house looks a certain way. I got to have a certain color. I got to make sure the mirror reflects on how the gray looks so the yellow can come out. Right. All of us takes this approach in our lives. Right. I want to be this. I want to do that. Make sure this is way we live in a Burger King society. Have it your way. Right, so I believe Ananias, who was just a follower of Jesus, just an average individual, probably hardworking, making a living. He represents who we are, and, and, and when God said you gotta go meet Saul at Tarsus in Damascus, the first thing that he says is, "Hold up, Lord, I heard the stories." He doesn't fit into my preferences. He, he's not my brothers and sisters in Christ. He, he's not the individuals I come in and walk through the doors of the church in, and we encourage and fellowship one another. Guess what, God? I don't know if that fits into my normal. Right? He's telling God. He's telling God, hey, man, look, I, I, this is not what I want. Oh, have you been there? Ha, ha, have you been there? God, you're pricking my heart to do what? You're giving me a vision. You're telling me while I'm reading your scripture that you want me uh, uh, to go into that homeless shelter, that you want me to go into that neighborhood, that you want me to go there. I don't look like them. I don't think like them. I don't act like them. God, that is not according to what is normal to me. That is not my preference. That is not my preference. The question is, will you be obedient when God takes you to a place or, or allows you to witness the gospel in a place that's uncomfortable to you? See, First Timothy 1:15 tells us this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. That's Paul's writing. And to Timothy. And what he's letting us know is that when we have preferences, when we decide that we're not going to witness the gospel to other individuals because we have different theories or ideologies or we may think that, you know, they're a little off in reading the scripture and things of that nature. When we do that, we're saying we're better than them. We're saying that we weren't sinners at one time who was saved by the same grace, which was the gift of God, through the same faith. We're saying that, yo, in some way we were more deserving than you. And through the Holy Spirit, Paul is writing to his friend Timothy and say, I'm the foremost sinner. I was the one who brought suffering. I was the one who brought pain. I was the instrument of destruction. to Christians, we should take the same approach because it was us who was full of darkness. It was us who was lying. It was us who didn't know who Christ was. It was us who probably felt the same way about Christians before God regenerated our hearts. And if we have a full understanding, we understand since we are sinners, since we've been there, that we have no right to put preferences on God. But our job is to witness the gospel, tell it to all ethnicities, cultures, generations, whatever it may be, because we were once sinners. And I'm willing, Father, use me. Because you never know who the next Saul is. You never know who the next soil is. Think, no, number two, you know, God is not concerned with your preferences. Number two, God chooses the purposes of his people. <laughs> right? You know, one of the things I get on myself about parenting, you know, if I see my son good at stuff, something, I'm, I'm just all on it. Hey, man, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. Make sure he, he flows in his purpose. This is what it is. But then I realize that after about a month, he's interested in something else. Not even concerned with what, <laughs> with what I'm looking at. And, and then I started to realize that, man, God understands the purpose of my son. God understands the purpose of his people. I can't determine that. All I can do is set boundaries and environment, a loving, graceful, in the love of Christ environment for my son to flourish in whatever God has purpose for him. He understands what he's going to utilize in his life. He understands the gifts that he has. He understands what he's going to do so that he may be glorified in his life. I truly believe that Ananias didn't think in his Christian walk that God will give him an assignment for Saul. And I truly believe that Saul, the man who was smart beyond smart, the man who was in a position with the high priest of favoritism, probably lived pretty well, did good for herself, had control of some soldiers to go, you know, and attack Christians was going to have to be sitting down somewhere with scales on his eyes. Waiting for an average Joe like Ananias to come and say, hey, man, God sent me so that you can see. They both didn't know that their both purposes was going to come in contact with each other. That means that God is ultimately in control. God is weaving out his plan amongst his people. He he is writing it down and he is saying, look, I'm moving you here. I'm moving you there. You're going to be here. And it has nothing to do with us. How do we know this? Scripture tells us that Jesus speaking in in St. John, he, he lets us know in the 15th chapter and the 16th verse, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. There your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it unto you. My goal is is to utilize sinners who I once saved. To disciple to them, to make them followers of Jesus. I chose them. I am their father. I'm the one who reawakened your heart. I'm the one who leaded you to the cross. And I'm the one who allowed you to say, I will love the Lord with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my strength. I'm the one who will strengthen you for the walk, and I am the one who knows the purpose and plan to have for you, according to Jeremiah. I'm the one in control. Ananias, you have preferences. I get it, brother. I hear you. I'm the one in control. Be obedient witness to gospel in an uncomfortable place. Saul, you think you're going to continue to hurt Christians? You're hurting me. But guess what? I have plans for you to go to the Gentiles. I have plans for you to go out there in the deep, dark places and witness the gospel for my glory. Guess what? I have a purpose for you. You are not in control. I know we like to think it. I know many times we sit down and say, you know what? If I just do two of these and three of these, this is going to happen. And it's okay to have plans. But at the end of the day, many are the plans of many, but God knows our footsteps. He knows where are we going to walk? How are we are going to do it? And eventually, because he has a purpose for us. Maybe you're the one struggling, right? Maybe you're the Ananias, right? God, I got preferences, right? Maybe you're the one who wants to be in control. I, 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 look, God look man I'm comfortable at Redeemer but but don't put me at Mount Olive Baptist even though you're telling me to go there I don't know if I can do it right hey I use myself like I'm literally at an all African American church at Mount Calvary right and I'm, and I'm there worshiping and he's like no son I want you to go to the PCA the Eastern Carolina the Eastern Presbytery Carolina Presbytery what Lord what what are you saying? Look, I'm Googling, I'm looking like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on now. This, this, this. <laughs> Lord, what is happening right here, right? But you know what? He had my life in his hands. And he knew my purpose. He knew somewhere along the line, Chris Cooper, I needed you to be at North Carolina Central discipling other students. And I needed you to be in the Eastern Carolina Presbytery because guess what? I have to show you that it's not about you. It's not about your preferences. It's not about what you think the glory of God looks like or how comfortable you are. It's about me utilizing you as a vessel to proclaim the gospel, sometimes in an uncomfortable space. Will you do it? Not my will. His will be done. How, how, how are we strengthened to do this? And I'm ending in this. The crazy thing is, once Ananias was obedient and he went and did what the Lord told him to do. laid his hands upon him, prayed for him, right? The scales was all oh, once I was blind. Now I see. Yes, sir. I'm So grateful. And then he get baptized. Amongst the body, amongst the disciples in Damascus, and, and he gets strengthening. He gets food to eat. I believe he got natural food and he also got what? Spiritual food. And, and within that, we know the only way this could happen is through the cross of Christ. The only way that this could ever happen in the history of humankind, where individuals from different places with different preferences, with with a whole different viewpoint of seeing the gospel and seeing Christians and everything like that. The only way that this relationship could be reconciled, could be brought back together is through the cross of Christ. It is the cross of Christ through his Holy Spirit that does the work. It is him. It is the cross of Christ that challenges our preferences and comfortability that allows us to get past our human notions and and our opinions. It is the cross of Christ that can make us realize that we should worry about the interests of other, speak encouragement to one another, understand that we are sinners just like the next individual and build bridges to great relationships. And it is the only the cross of Christ That can bring a murderer, an individual who was willingly able to persecute saints in the faith. To become a part of the body of Christ and partake of the blessing and the sacraments of Christ, which we hold dearly. To know that he is a child of God, to know that he is loved of God, and to know that he can partake in the power of the cross to be a disciple. It is only the cross of Christ that does that. It is only by his grace. It is only through the faith. It is only by the love. Of Jesus Christ. That's why we look to him. Because in our human frailty. We can't do it. Let's just be honest. We can't do it. We tell people what we think. But God knows. We tell people how we feel. But God pushes past feelings. And he brings people together. For the love of him. Only the cross. I'm encouraged. In ending by Colossians 1. 26 And it says, through him, which is Jesus, he, he to reconcile to himself all things. So Jesus reconciled all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. You hear the word peace? <laughs> peace, man. If it's anything in this world that we need right now that Ananias shows us and, and, and come in relationship with Saul, is that there was a peace about it. In this world today, we need peace. It says, oh man, and it is the peace by the blood of the cross. You get it? The blood of the cross. It is the cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, I'm a witness. You know, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body. Of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So not only did he correct our relationship with himself through the cross of Jesus, the great mediator, right? But he also corrected our relationship with each other. And he shows us through the example of Acts nine, ten, through 19. That people can have two different mindsets. People can be from two totally different places. People can feel uncomfortable around each other, don't understand where they come from, don't understand their culture. And he can push past the concerns. He can push past the preferences. He can push past the fact that we want to be selfish and have everything in control. And he can walk within his purpose and strengthen one another to bring us together As one, not by our power, but through the blood of Christ. He didn't resurrect himself from the grave to just say, hey, man, Redeemer, I want you to stay right here and be comfortable with each other. He resurrected himself from the grave to say, you are a body connected to a bigger body. You may be the hands, but somebody got to be the wrist. Somebody got to be the forearm." And sometimes you may have disagreements, but with the cross of Christ, you can push past it and you can love on one another. Not because you are that great, because Jesus Christ is the head. But you have to learn how to witness the gospel while being uncomfortable. Amen. 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 God bless. Let us let us pray. <laughs> father god you you're an amazing god man you are an amazing an amazing god you found it not robbery to to walk amongst humanity father god you experienced our our faults our fears our failures you experienced our weaknesses our frailty you cried like us father god you built friendships like us father god so you understand that within that there there is a lot of cracks there there is a lot of times where we deal with so many emotions that we tend to walk in division But Father God, what I'm grateful for is by your grace and in our time of weakness, you strengthened us, Father God, so that we can walk within a body that throws all of that to the side, that encourages one another, that witnesses to each other, Father God, that thinks of the interests of others, that loves the Lord thy God with all their heart, their soul, and mind, and also loves their neighbor as thyself. But we could only do it through the strength of you, and we're grateful. Not by our righteousness, Father God, but through your righteousness, Father God, that happened on the cross. We're grateful. Push our hearts beyond our insecurities, Father God. Let us be obedient to give the gospel to those who may seem like a threat, who may seem uncomfortable to us, Father God, because we all need, we all need the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.